So we seek to others to tell us who we are. And I would caution you if you if your first instinct is to be like, I don't know who I am, I'm just gonna ask my partner, I'm gonna ask my friend, resist. And try and do it on your own because the truth the truth is outer behavior is not always reflective of the inner motivation. And so someone can be like, Yeah, you're you're totally XYZ to the outside, but only you can truly know why you do that, what your fear is, what your desire is, what you're running towards and away from. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. This is our first episode of the year and we're, oh, I just rhymed, but it's, it's going to be a fantastic beginning of 2020 because we have Enya New Year coming at ya. So this is kind of an exciting time of year for us because it's kind of this renewal, but more specifically because we've spent so much time in the Enneagram space and learning about ourselves through the Enneagram, it, it's kind of an exciting time. And we wanted to share that with you guys through some more deeper knowledge through the Enneagram. So today you guys are going to get the first like real big bite of the Enneagram from our girl, Jess Gartner. She's been on the on here before and we talk about her all the time, but that's because she's amazing. And she is a new Enneagram coach. She has got a wonderful background as a blogger recipe creator. She's also an Enneagram nine wing eight. She's a social subtype. If you want to know what that means, keep on listening. And she's the podcast host with a passion for real food, real connection, and sharing herself flaws and all. A recovering perfectionist, Jess now focuses on supporting women in finding their truth through the Enneagram, nourishing their minds and bodies intuitively, and creating joy in their lives as they navigate the motherhood transition. She pours her heart and soul into her weekly podcast. She co-hosts the Modern Mamas podcast, which is a safe space to share her authentic experience of motherhood and where expert guests educate and empower women to take charge of their health. You can find her recipes, lifestyle posts, podcast episodes, and Enneagram coaching services at www.jessgartner, that's G-A-E-R-T-N-E-R.com and connect on Instagram at Jess, J-E-S-S dot hold the space. When Jess isn't working, she loves to spend time with her husband, Tim, her two kiddos, Bear and Camille, and two large Great Pyrenees rescues. They are her greatest accomplishments. So glad you guys are here. Welcome to the Enneagram. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of the new year and our first episode of hashtag any a new year. We are so freaking floored about this series that we're doing and even more floored that we get to kick it off with our girl, Jess, which you guys all know and love because you're avid listeners of the podcast, right? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're brand new, but here's what you're going to learn today. We're obsessed with the Enneagram and we won't shut up about it. Just a little bit. And we're just really excited to have Jess here. So Jess, we are going to dig deep into the Enneagram today, but the first thing I want you to share with us is just how learning about the Enneagram, like your own personal journey with the Enneagram has really affected kind of this, this passion that you have to go study it and teach it to other people and just how it's been impactful for you. I know in your business and in your life and all of the things. So. Well, thanks you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be here. I feel like we were talking before we jumped in about how it's just like chatting your favorite topic with your besties and I'm like giddy. Do I look like so <laughs> I actually giggled right when what Cassie and I were talking earlier. She goes, that was the appropriate giggle. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So thank you guys for having me on. Um, we have the Modern Mamas podcast, but we were also saying that like I rarely ever dive deep into the Enneagram on there. We know we have guests and the topics are a little bit different. Um, and so anytime anyone asks me to talk about the Enneagram, I'm like, yes, 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 forever, always. So I'm really, really excited to deep dive into like the nitty gritty because I know you guys have covered a lot um, like individual topics and things about the Enneagram, but like there's so much to learn. We've never gotten to do a deep dive. It's oh, I mean, we did kind of a brief overview. If you guys want to go back and listen in episodes 44 and 45, we did a little bit of a deep dive into our own individual types and just talking about how learning about the Enneagram has impacted us in our kind of personal journey and probably dipped on it a little bit during like our couples episode that we did previously, but nothing to this amount of detail. And we've all kind of like been living with the Enneagram for over a year now, as far as, you know, our introduction to it and Genevieve and I, and so Mm -hmm. we talk about it on the podcast a lot, but not able to do it in such depth because we're not Enneagram experts, but you Mm -hmm. are girl. So hello. I'm getting there. Yeah. I, you know, and I think it's such like really amazing timing for January. A lot of people for better, for worse are really going to be focused on self self help. And how do I, you know, quote unquote, grow and be a better person or whatever, whatever it is that you kind of set intentions or whatever. A lot of that is around like becoming not necessarily changing who you are, but becoming the best version of yourself. And I think the Enneagram truly is, has what has allowed me to access tools within myself to, to do that for myself. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to seek that information. Obviously I have to learn the Enneagram and seek the knowledge, but like once you have that, you have the tools you need essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, for a lot. It's very empowering. Yeah. For a lot of like self growth, um, that you can do on your own. Um, Obviously I still really, really advocate for therapy and counseling, but this is another tool in the toolbox that I think can get you a long way. Um, so my personal story is really just, I can't even remember where I heard about the Enneagram first. It might've actually been from Cassie before <laughs> uh, Cassie Joy. I mean, yeah. fed and fit. I don't know if you guys yeah, have talked yeah. about her on here before, but um, we were working together and she had mentioned it in passing. And I was like, what is that? Because I had taken like Myers-Briggs and the, the, tend- the four tendencies and strength finders and all that stuff. I always found that, that fascinating, like knowing yourself. But I never, the way she was talking about it, it was just like in this completely different way. And it was like, not just, oh, that's who you are, who I am, but like, here's how I get to be better. And here's how I get to relate to other people better. And I really feel like that's what the Enneagram brings to all of these like self-personality tests is basically it's not just like, here's who you are. And a lot of times people will say like, oh, I'm in a box when I take a personality test. I feel like the Enneagram does the complete opposite. And we've talked about this. Maybe we've talked about this before, but a lot Definitely. of people say, I don't want to take the Enneagram test because I don't want to be put in a box. And a lot of eights will say that. Sometimes sevens will say that. And we'll dive into those personality types and why they might be more apt to say that. But what I think is really the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box that you put yourself in and how to get out of it. Ooh, if you want to. Ooh. Right? <laughs> That's so good. I That's so good. I love, love, love that yeah. little snippet. And it's, I've heard it in, in multiple places. But for me, it's like you were saying earlier, the Enneagram is this resource kind of on top of your personal journey toward maybe some therapy and it's not a replacement for that. I feel like the Enneagram told me what I needed to go to therapy for. <laughs> like, Seriously. And and Enneagram pointed out to me how good it feels to know myself to go to therapy because of the no, you know, it's just another way to know yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I, and this was the hardest part for me was realizing how much I didn't know myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but hashtag Enneagram two problems. We'll get into that, but (laughs) (laughs) Enneagram nine problems too. I think it gives you a word. It gives you words for some of the feelings and things that you've been encountering your whole life, but yes. you can never quite communicate to other mm-hmm. people. And it's so yep. funny because like my husband knows the Enneagram well, obviously just being like as a, a side effect being of husband. being near me, he hears me <laughs> talk about it day in and day out. And so we can literally have a conversation and it's, and it sounds like I'm putting someone in a box where I say, Oh, that's my new friend. Cassie, she's an eight. And it's, it sounds like I'm like, typing her like stereotyping her but really it gives him 
almost an instantaneous understanding or a way to relate to her, even though he's never met her in his whole life. And not all eights are the same, but there are a lot of similarities. And as you come to know someone more deeply, you pick up on those nuances. There are shades of gray within a number. There's a bajillion shades of gray within Mm -hmm. your number. But now Tim, for example, knows like, oh, okay, like I know what to expect. And instead of being, you know, potentially offended or like overwhelmed by an intenser, a more intense energy, which he's a five. So like everything overwhelms him essentially (laughs) uh, when it comes to like energetic, like relationships, um, he can prepare himself and he could be like, okay, this is, I know this is just the way she relates to the world. I'm going to be prepared and everything's going to go a lot smoother. So Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. I think I'm just kind of rambling. No, no, I love it. I think I think honestly, when I meet someone new and maybe they know their Enneagram type and we get to talk about it a little bit, I feel like it unlocks a piece of them for me. Like it's almost like they're giving you a little bit of a roadmap to here's who I am. And just like you said, it's so individualized. Like, you know, we we haven't even gotten into like instinctual subtypes and all of those things. Everybody has a wing. But even within any of that, there's just personality and upbringing and all of those things that play a factor in who we are. And I feel like it just gives me a little more detail around like what makes them tick and how I can relate to them. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, like almost preparing myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and on the other side of the spectrum, right. We talk about how someone who's maybe like deeply introverted and, and, um, you know, really doesn't expend a lot of energy like an eight or doesn't have a lot of energy to expend or or like a five, pardon me. But as an eight, I'm on the other side of it. I'm preparing myself. I'm going to go hang out with a five to like dial it back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that's like, that it's not just like, how do I understand other people? It's how do I understand other people in relation to myself? Mm-hmm. And we're not saying you need to change yourself as an eight. Nope. Eights are fully wonderful and nope. who they are. But like, if you are trying to foster an intimate connection with somebody Connect, who's yeah. so different from you, then you may, you'll have to give, give and take. Even eights, yep. like really, yep. it's like, I have to make compromises with my, my wants and needs in an intimate personal relationship. Like, no matter who the other person is. And so yep. I think that's, that's fair. But you also feel almost like you can show up with, like, I'm using an intimate relationship, like your partner, more fully because you can be like, this is not you. It's not about you. This is the way that I'm, I really view the world. This is how and I'm so, wired. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not an excuse for bad behavior or, like, anything like that. Because nope. a lot of times people will be like, I'm just an eight and that's just the way I am. I keep using oh, eight. Oh, Lord. I cannot yeah. handle yeah. Well, I, it's fine. It's good. It's just a good example. <laughs> um, I'm just a I, nine and, and I'm just a sloth. Like, I just, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be peaceful nope. and compliant nope. about everything. Um, and the growth happens when you understand how your number can become a more fully integrated human. And really, all of the nine numbers, because there's nine numbers, we'll get into the details too. Um, when you put their their best attributes together, they make a fully whole, what would be a fully whole integrated human. We all have some of those num- the numbers in us, right? Like mm-hmm. all the numbers do, but we just have a dominant type, a dominant lens with which we view the world and the circumstances that happen to us. Um, so-, so, so if you had to give like a really quick one sentence, two sentence explanation for like, what the heck is the Enneagram? What yes. would you say? Are we talking like just details? Or high level, like high level overview. High level. Um, it is basically it's a personality assessment that is going to show you the unique way in which you move and view the world and these the things that happen to you and around you. And so that's kind of like in a nutshell, I guess. That's my own personal spin. I, I haven't mm-hmm. read that anywhere, but that's kind of like in a nutshell. Um, and the That's details, perfect. it's like there's nine, it's Enneagram, nine diagram, right? So there's nine unique, I, I kind of say archetypes. Um, they're called certain things, um, depending on which expert you're kind of describing to. But it's just, you know, we kind of all strongly kind of lie in one of those numbers. Um, and then there's a lot of nuance to it there's wings and there's triads and there's 
subtypes and there's you know growth and stress lines which we're going to get into shades of gray shows there's like, so many shades of gray. i love the way you said that because it's so true there's yeah. so many shades so many it's like a big spectrum right and i i love the there's a i like to speak in um what's the word like i don't know comparisons kind of but that's not the word words are hard today i could I, I gave up coffee did i tell you guys that I've, I've seen it. I'm like, you go, Jess. So my brain's still not qu- fully functioning. But um, so like the comparison is like the Enneagram, your number is like, it's like a GPS system, essentially. It's your number is where you start, right? And the Enneagram is, can, shows you where you can go and how to get there. Um, and basically like if we're, oh, analogy, that's the word. For sticking with this analogy, it's also... When you start to, we talk about your your healthy characteristics and we talk about your unhealthy characteristics. And I want you guys, as we go through these things, to try and reserve judgment for yourself and for other numbers, because we're going to be talking about qualities that are not fun to look at oh, in ourselves. Oh, so hard. It's um, one of the easiest ways to figure out your type is looking mm-hmm. at like the negative side of your type, but then you have to almost immediately bounce yourself into the positive side and be like oh this is what i bring to the world but instantly that's how i knew yeah <laughs> what, what, a, what type and, made my skin and crawl. like you said like, you were using the eight as an example but like let me just say there's a lot of things about an eight that rub people the wrong way <laughs> and so i mean just reading i just I, i'll never forget like reading the unhealthy side of an eight and being like oh gosh like that sounds terrible oh no <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like people know me like they're seeing me for who I am I feel exposed um but yeah I mean that's I think that's the first step to just stepping into who you are and becoming the best version of yourself and living an authentic life is being able to be like yes there are good and bad things sides to me and I call it I like to call it the shadow side because Mm -hmm. there's a there's a you know it's it's not like it's bad it's just the things in your personality that if we let them take over can become, you know, overpowering in a negative way. Mm. Um, and it's not even that all of those things are inherently bad. It's like too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's like true of our personality. Like even the key things that we love about ourselves can become yep. negative if we let them take over. Does that make and sense? We all, yeah. And we all have dark and light in us yeah. and we need both. Mm-hmm. I once heard that we have like our, our superpowers are very much like each type, their superpower is also their Achilles heel, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like if we live too hard in some of those superpowers, at least for the two, I found that to be really true. It's like our superpower tends to be around being helpful and thinking of others and kind of like being able to read people. Mm-hmm. But if I lean too hard into that, I completely forget myself. You know, so it's also my Achilles heel. So I find that really interesting that something, you know, too much of something can also be all encompassing. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's when things get kind of muddy, you know, the gray becomes muddy, (laughs) brown, the gray becomes brown. So (laughs) pretty much essentially. (laughs) So Jess, before you get into all of the different types, what are your thoughts on taking an Enneagram test versus just maybe digging into the Enneagram in general? Like, what do you suggest if someone's looking to figure out what their type is other than listening to this podcast? Yeah, I think there are certain numbers that are not going to be easily mistyped um, and a test might be like spot on. Um, again, I'm thinking of eights are typically not mistyped. Um, gosh, who else is not typically mistyped? Fives, like my husband has never ever thought that he's another number on the he's clearly a five my um, husband's um, a five too same. i feel you but at the same time my husband was like i think this is not valid because it puts me in a box and i don't think that's right and i was like give it a second there's lots of shades to work with here so like, he may have a four wing um tim has a, uh, a five with a four i cannot wing. decide what wing he is i can't wait to discuss those so wait what was the question oh tess Yes, I think they are a part of the puzzle. I do not, I really recommend not relying on that as the be all end all because a lot of tests are going to give you, like, here's your top three or here's some percentages. And there are certain things that are going to potentially skew your answers. Like, you may take one test and get another answer and take another test and get another answer. 
And some things that can skew that is, A, if you're answering the questions based on your outer behavior versus your inner, like the why, like the inner workings, you really want to answer the test based on how, why. Like, yes, I'm competitive, but why? Um, yes, I you know do X, Y, Z, but why do I do that? Um, and a lot of times I will recommend that when people take the test, they answer based on as they were, have been most of their life. Because especially as wives, mamas, partners, you know, all that stuff, um, we as women can sometimes step into these roles where we become, for example, a caregiver um, and can mistype often as like a two because we're like, well, yeah, I'm taking care of everything. I'm taking care of the house. I'm taking care of people in it. I'm taking care of like my family, my friends, all of that. And we kind of step reluctantly into this caregiver role. Um, not reluctantly, but like maybe if we're not a two, it's a little bit reluctantly. Um, and so we can start to answer based on how, how we are right now in our current period of life. Does that make sense? And yeah. so I would just caution you to answer as how you've been most of your life, maybe pre-kids, pre-significant other. Um, a lot of times people will say look to your early 20s if you were not married and didn't have a family like in that time. Because that's when we're mostly acting out our true, like, who we in are. In my case unhealthy side not maybe <laughs> early 20s when you said uh basically like what you were like when you were unmarried and like in your 20s I just got a big smile on my face because I was like what's that like <laughs> that's right yeah, like, I don't know I like. but I just happened to be an eight and so that was it was really clear I the way I figured out my type was I had a friend who handed me, I didn't, I kind of refused. I like paid for the $12 test and I didn't take it. And I gave the link to a friend and I was like, here, I paid for this test. You should use it. It's fine. <laughs> because I have a friend who literally handed me an Enneagram book. He's also an eight and he opened it to the eight chapter and he just handed it to me. And he was like, <laughs> read, he goes, read through these state. And it was one of the ones that has like the list of statements mm -hmm. and the eight happened to be the first one. So I didn't think anything of it. And I read it. And I'm like, well, doesn't everybody think this way? <laughs> oh my God. My friend looks at me and he goes, no, Cassie. <laughs> no, we do. <laughs> but I just, I, I think figuring out with a friend is actually really fun or your partner. Um, it can be kind of loaded, but for some people that can be a little like helpful to kind of wade through it, at least together if you're both trying to figure out what your number is. Um, but again, kind of going back to what Jess said about reserving judgment, because uh, it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, that's you. You do all of these things. And that was kind of how it started with Josh and I. And it was about me. It was like, oh, yeah, you do those things. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, and I would <laughs> Can also I just caution, be a two? Like, <laughs> if you are going to do, I, I would say, so for someone like a nine, in the beginning, I, I had the hardest time typing myself. And if you are, if you end up landing on the fact that you're a nine, that's actually a common thing with being a nine. We don't know ourselves. We're asleep to ourselves. So we seek to others to tell us who we are. And I would caution you if you, if your first instinct is to be like, I don't know, I'm just going to ask my partner. I'm going to ask my friend. Resist. And mm. try and do it on your own because the truth, the truth is, the outer behavior is not always reflective of the inner motivation. And so someone can be right. like, yeah, you're, you're totally X, Y, Z to the outside, but only you can truly know why you do that, what your fear is, what your desire is, what you're running towards and away from. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's fun to do it. I think when both of you guys kind of have a little bit of a feel for it and maybe take the test on your own and then come together and be like, these are the ones I got. Do you have like a strong, like, do you have a feeling about them so that you answer the questions on your own, but then you guys can come together and talk about it and like bounce ideas around it. You're not supposed to type anyone else. Um, I have been asked to type people numerous times. And even with Enneagram coaching, I think the, the, like, the th people want to be like, just tell me who I am. I'm going to tell you about me and then you tell me who I am. And I can't do that. That's part of the growth, right? Is to like really. It's to learn it. Figure learn it out. And hold a mirror up to yourself. <clears throat> and know yourself 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think that you'll have a better experience because you're going to own that type a little bit more when you type yourself. Whereas other times it's really easy as you start diving into all of the shades that we were talking about or like the 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 spectrum of healthy behavior and unhealthy mm-hmm. and average and like all those things that you read about. It's I, like for me, if somebody would have been like, you're two, you're definitely a two. You're nothing but a two. It would have been really hard for me to accept those the things that I feel like are really unattractive about my type like you know but instead like owning it and being like okay ha and really seeing it like that whole concept of like you can't do anything about it until unless you see it unless you you can name it name it to tame it type attitude like I don't know I think that's really important because otherwise you're not going to be able to do that I've tried to reserve the typing that I do on other people to my own brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just be like, I think you are. As an eighth, that's very hard, I'm sure. (laughs) A blank. Um, Yes, it is, actually. (laughs) Um, It's very hard. And it just, I think the one time I ever, like, legitimately said, you are this type to someone, it was true. Like, I was right. But it didn't, they didn't really take ownership over it until much later. And I think I kind of impeded the process for them. So I, I totally reiterate exactly what Jess just said. So specifically, is it, Jess, is there a test that you, that you like? Yes. So I have taken several um, okay. over the course of this whole process. Because again, like I thought I was a three, I thought I was a six, which makes sense once we dive into the nines. Uh-huh. Um, why that would be. Um, and so I like the ready. The ready is the Russo Hudson, um, mm-hmm. who are two of like the, the major gurus. And so that's a $12 test. And I resisted taking it forever because it's like, I pay for a test, but I did. <laughs> 12 bucks. <laughs> $12. It's a principle. Of 12 bucks to learn about like the depths <laughs> yeah. of your soul. It's not, you know, it's really expensive. Okay. <laughs> it's a good test. Um, it's about 75, 75 to 85% accurate. Um, at best. Um, and so with that, you're going to get information. The best thing to do after you kind of narrow it down, because there are some types you're going to look at and you'll be like, I am definitely not that, not an X or whatever. Um, and then there are some you're just like, ah, I don't know. You really have to, to do some reading. Um, so I'm listening to podcasts. I love The Road Back to You by Ian Khan. Um, I also, youreneagramcoach.com, which is who I'm doing my coaching certification through, also has a test that's really good. Um, and so it's a free version. And so those are two of the tests. And the road back to you is the easiest to read. I think for Agreed. like, just like, if you want some light reading, that's not going to bore you to death. I love that book. It's a good primer. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of an overview of all of them. That was the first way I learned about all of the different types rather than just my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really helpful for me to kind of gain an understanding and start to put some pieces together with the people in my life who have told me their type in the past. So, mm-hmm. all right, should we get into type one? Well, so I want to kind of... Um, Give an overview first, if that's cool with Great. you guys. And then Go we'll briefly, because when I dive into the numbers, I'm actually going to start diving into like every unit off a number, um, just to keep it like succinct or like together and easy to follow. So like, we'll talk first about um, an overview of the nine types, the wings and what that means, and I think subtypes and some other like like basic stuff. Is that cool? Great. You guys? Yep. Do it, okay. girl. Cool. So the, like I said, each number kind of has this like archetype to it. And the one is the moral perfectionist. There's other things. Some people call it the reformer. Like there's some variations within it, but the moral perfectionist is the one. The supportive advisor or the helper is the twos. Um, the successful achiever is threes. The romantic individualists are fours. The investigative thinkers are fives. The loyal guardians are sixes. The entertaining optimists are seven. Um, the, uh, oh my gosh, the eight is blanking on me. What are you, Cassie? The, protect- I am the protective, protective challenger. Protective challenger. Oh my gosh. My mind is hey, I got the perfect person on here to tell you. <laughs> protective <laughs> challenger. And the eight is the peaceful mediator. Or the nine is a peaceful mediator. So those are like the nine basic archetypes. So as we go through every number you may already kind of just based off those brief descriptions might be being like, yeah, okay. I I think maybe I could be some of these. So keep those in mind. 
And if you're trying to type yourself right now or you're using this as a resource, um, again, start to look at the basic, the main things you wanna look at are the core fears and the core desires of each type because they're different. And you may hear some of these and you may be like, well, isn't everybody afraid of that? Like, doesn't everybody want to be protected? Um, and it's true, we all want a little bit of that, but it's not what drives us, right? Like, mm. what really is driving you is really going to be the deciding factor on your memoir. So those are the nine basic types. Um, there's also something called wings. So a lot of times you'll hear people like, I'm a nine wing four, and that's not possible. <laughs> the wings are actually... <laughs> Those are like I actually any- love telling people that that's not possible. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm like, you too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't even tell them they're wrong. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I go, actually, you keep your your either side. That, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, that's hilarious. I love that we have three different numbers on here right now. I know. Trying to give perspective, but the wings have to be they're the one of the numbers beside your number, and so it goes in a circle. And so, for instance, if I'm a nine. I can have a one wing or an eight wing. Those are my only wing options. Wings are like, I like to describe it like, if my number is a plate of eggs and everyone's gonna eat their eggs differently, right? The wings are like salt and pepper. And some people like a ton of salt. So like I'm a nine wing eight. So I have lots of eight salt on my eggs. I have a little bit of like one pepper, right? But then my Mm. friend who is also a nine can be heavy on the pepper and heavy on the one side and really light on the eight or have like no salt. So the wings can be kind of fluid and there's nuances to how much of like your wing is a part of your personality. Some people can just be like, I'm a nine and I'm like, they're straight up nine mm-hmm. and not use those wings at all. So that that wing dominance can really exist on the spectrum. Does that make sense? What are you guys' yeah. wings? Do you think wing dominance can change? Like I do through health and unhealth because I definitely I feel like the previous version actually like the more unhealthy version of me was really seven wing dominant mm-hmm. and I think maybe that was like coincidence and circumstance of like the seven wing being there kind of I it, that was literally me choosing to be like the carefree version of myself and actually act like I was a 20 year old mm-hmm. which was an interesting time of life that we can talk about a different day um <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an eight wing nine and I'm heavy on the nine I have a lot of the same like hangups that a nine has when you like get overwhelmed and dip into inactivity or what they call sloth. Um, I get overwhelmed easily, which is crazy because eights are like, I never get overwhelmed. I'm amazing. Like I do all the things, but so you're in denial about your overwhelm. (laughs) And I, the interesting part for me personally, right. I'm in denial about my overwhelm. Probably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the interesting part about me for like recognizing my wing is that all of the people who I'm extremely close to, to like, 90% 90% of them are nines. I love me some nines and I get them and they get me. And there aren't that many numbers on the Enneagram that get me, <laughs> but a nine is one of them. And yeah, I, was I mean, gonna... just, just kind of inherently, I guess anyone else who's on that spectrum who, who gets me is someone who is working to get me, which I mean, is really helpful but being an eight like I'm not easy to get to know and a nine kind of inherently sees like the beauty in every other person and yeah it's I think it's awesome so anyways I could go super into depth with that but I am a wing nine Jen what's your wing I'm a I'm a wing three uh it's I'm a I'm a two wing three and I'm a pretty heavy wing three because I have the similar things where I have a lot of the same hang-ups as a lot of the uh three hang-ups out there but Um, I've noticed that I have a lot of one tendencies in creation. Mm -hmm. When I create things, I get very heavy one. So I think it depends on the task at hand. And, Mm -hmm. um, but the, the whole, it's, it's interesting, interesting you said about that. There's very, very few people you feel like get you. Like, I feel like I get, I'm drawn to eights Mm -hmm. like my, and I think twos are drawn to eights because, um, we, we talked about this when we first started figuring out our numbers, but like I go to eight in times of stress. We'll get into that in a second. And so I get like when I casting can tell when I'm stressed out now, she was just because she, she goes, she wants to go. Yes, because <laughs> I like I get really heavy. And so it was hard for me to figure out where I was in my spectrum a little bit. And I was like, I kind of questioned whether I was a two for a second because um, I go hard into that eight stress line when I'm stressed so I was like am I am I a two wing three 
or am I like a nine eight or am I like and so like the wings started to confuse me so I want to tell you guys like when you pick your number and you know and you know that's your number and really look into your wings and your numbers and get to know them because it's just like you said so I love that analogy with salt and pepper because like sometimes I like my pepper a little heavier and sometimes I like my <laughs> well, salt you know and that was something I did in my Enneagram journey so like mm-hmm. I learned I was an eight and then I got I was like okay well what's next and the cool part for me was like oh learn about my husband's type which happened to be a nine which he had typed himself as a nine and so I was like cool I need to figure out my what my wing is so next step is learning about seven and nine so we learned about nine first and then kind of went from there but it was it's been really interesting to kind of dig into the wings and I think that's a lot of what makes it's a lot of the nuance in each type too. Mm-hmm. And depending on what your wing is, you also have like an archetype to your, to your wing. And so I think two wing three is the, called the hostess. Um, mm-hmm. And so within <laughs> the supportive advisor archetype, you yourself have an even, it's an even more like nuanced archetype to you. So yeah. two twos, for example, can look very different. You can, twos are the most, relational of all the numbers on the Enneagram, but you mm. can have a relational person that's super extroverted. Maybe like a, a two wing three would be more apt to be outgoing, very demonstrative with their affection, hug you, kiss you, um, you know, all those things when they see you open arms, <laughs> whereas like a two wing, a two with a one wing is still going to want to connect, but maybe they're more like, hey, hey, like, how are you? And like, maybe they yeah. grasp your hand or like it's a very it's a much more quiet approach but they're still very like I i'm like you. oh cassie <laughs> comes in the house and we're yelling at each other ha! <laughs> i when you described that i was thinking of how genevieve greets me and i was like nodding my head vigorously at the at the two wing three Sometimes i will I have say to tell myself not to touch people because i'm like maybe they're not into touching i'm like don't you don't what what number are they i'm trying to read them already is they're like coming in the room i'm like Fives are like okay don't touch me. I know. <laughs> Which is funny. My husband has like, he's a five and he's very much, he will not get a massage. He will never even consider don't touch my feet. Like don't <laughs> touch my feet. Like he's very like personal space oriented. Yeah. But I, I mean, we've never been that way. Like we, and so when we were type, when we were talking about our typing and things like that, he was like, I mean, I see a lot of similarities in the five, but I'm, and I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, and then when we got to the part about like personal space, we were talking about like, you know, get out of my personal space and that analogy of building a castle, like mm-hmm. how I have so many analogies with that, with the, the, the types like fives have a castle, right? And they have mm-hmm. a fortress mm-hmm. that they have built and it's very big and also they add on to it <laughs> and that's him very much so. <laughs> I love the type descriptions that you went through that yeah. come from the Your Enneagram Coach resources from Beth McCord because it's, it's, it's a take on it that's like, hey, you have this beautiful piece of you. Like, you're not just a challenger. You're mm-hmm. a protective challenger. Mm-hmm. And being protective is something that people love. They love being mm-hmm. protected and cared mm-hmm. for. And it kind of shows that. And this is the only type I've ever looked at, like, the two and felt like I saw, oh, supportive advisor. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, that's totally Genevieve. Or, you know, I don't actually, I don't have any other twos in my life that I know well, <laughs> by the way, which is totally me being an eight. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I just wanted to go back those, the type descriptions that you went through from your training, from your Enneagram coach. I absolutely love those. And I think they're kind of unique to her particular um, kind of framework when it comes to coaching and teaching on the Enneagram. And I just love that. And they're celebratory. That's what I like about that is like, sometimes it's easy when you're getting to know yourself through these typings to feel really bogged down with like some of the Instagram accounts that are out there that are talking about these types. Sometimes I'm just like, Oh, come on. Like, (laughs) like, why do we got to describe this person this way, this type (laughs) like that? Like that doesn't feel very nice. And I'm like, I mean, I mean, that's part of me is like, I want everybody to, unless they're ready to take in some sort of like criticism or cause I, the twos, if you're a two, I feel you like criticism is really hard. And so uh, sometimes that whole like phrase of, I feel attacked is a real thing for a two. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready for it, if you're scrolling through your Instagram and something comes up pretty heavy about a two, I'm just like, Oh, just, 
duh, you know? And so I love the celebratory side because you have, I feel like you need to seek out that growth instead of having it come at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think here's the thing. It's like, you may not resonate with every, you probably will not resonate with every single thing you hear about your number because we're like, like Cassie said, I mean, there's a lot of things that like determine our upbringing and like trauma and all of these things. But like, um, you also have to distinguish between being like, oh, that's and like being in denial and yeah. like, you know, there's a, there's like a difference. See your it's like, oh, that's not me. Or like, really like, is that me? And I just don't want to see it. So like, keep this, like hold it with a loose, like an open palm, all this information and just be receptive to it. Um, and while we're talking about wings too, like I said, I do think that they can, like the dominance can switch. I used to be heavy on the one wing growing up like holy cow very perfectionistic and now I almost have none of that in me like today I think it's through a lot of like work but also know that like those wings are there for you to access at any time for you to draw on the strengths of the one to draw on the strengths of an eight for example as a nine wing eight there's a lot of conflict being a nine wing eight because I want peace but I also have this eight in me and so it pushes me to like it pushes me to grow and to not always be compliant. And so just know like your wings are there for you to utilize, to grow and to be more a more integrated human. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So those are wings in a nutshell. And <laughs> what we also have are arrows and lines. Like if you look at the Enneagram diagram, there's like lines everywhere and you're just like, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> what is all of this? Yeah. So each number has a unique and somewhat predictable pattern that they will go to in times of what we call stress and then what we what we call growth. Um, there's also some more nuances that we're not going to get fully into, but there's also you can look at and read at more on your own. There's security points, and then there is um, I forget the last one, but it's like fully in, full integration. Um, and basically where you're taking on the good and the bad of both of the numbers that you go to. So it's really, it's interesting. So we'll keep it simple for growth and stress. This is going to, again, show you how you behave during times of growth and stress. And just know that like within a day, within an hour, within the span of a minute, you can be alternating. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm healthy. I've arrived and I'm never going to be stressed again or display unhealthy characteristics. Oh, that's funny. It just, it's <laughs> constantly fluctuating, right? But I mm -hmm. think, and these can cause you, like, these arrows can cause you to mistype sometimes because say you're in an extended period of growth or an extended period of stress and you're answering the questions based on how you are right now, how your behavior is. Um, it can cause you to mistype. So again, take a look at the test. So say you take the ready and you get nine, six, and three as your top numbers. Um, that makes sense to me because those are part of like a nine goes to a three when they're healthy, it goes to a six when they're unhealthy. Um, and so that tells me information as a coach to kind of, kind of then parcel out like, okay, we're on this triad somehow, but where is your home base? Um, and so know that, um, I think it's really important to know that just because you go somewhere in stress doesn't mean that's a bad thing. A lot of what you're doing is protecting yourself, protecting your energy and specifically like it, it, using myself as an example, like when I'm in stress, I go to a five and fives I've learned have you know, they wake up with 25% battery life in the morning and they have to really allocate their energy very specifically. So I went and realized like, oh, I'm in a time of some pretty deep stress. I'm also in a period of growth. Like I'm in both at the same time. And I think that was another thing that I didn't really understand is I could be in growth and stress at the same time. And with the lifestyle that I've chosen to be like work for myself and constantly do personal development, all it makes sense to me that I could be doing both at the same time. And I don't know if that's right, but for me, I see like myself going to a two in at kind of at the same time that I see myself going to a five. It just depends again in circumstance too as well. So like it feels situational to me so, where I'm protecting my energy when I need to and I'm giving when I can. Right. right. And I'm sense? just thinking of you as like a mentor 
leading a large team. So you might enter, you might have to enter in heavily to the two space um, and show up for your people and be vulnerable, which feels sometimes very hard, I'm sure. Um, and then it's like, once you do that, it costs a lot for you, right? So mm-hmm. now you're going to, you've, you've expended a lot of, of energy trying to be in a healthy place and show up for your people. And then sometimes it's kind of like that rubber band. you got to bounce back and you're like, okay, now I have to go recharge. I think the really helpful thing, and this was the analogy I didn't really complete in the beginning, is these growth and stress are like, you know the bumpers on the side of the road when you're driving and you're like, ah, you hit the bumper. You're like, oh, shit. Like, it's like, ah. <laughs> yes. um, I think that knowing those things, it helps you kind of get back to balance. Because truthfully, Cassie and Jenny, like, you're the best version of you when you are you, when you're in your eightness and you're integrated and you're in your two-ness. And so it's not necessarily bad to be there, but like if you're spending too much time in the five, there's something off balance. That's like your little roadside bumper to be like, okay, we've been fiving it super hard for like months now. What's going on? Like, this is not like, maybe I needed this for a time, but this is not where I live. This is not where That's I belong. Literally, exactly last year for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I and and it, I didn't really realize it until I had listened to a, a podcast episode somewhere that kind of detailed a five and had a discussion. And I was like, "This is how I feel right now, and this is how I've been feeling for like s- over six months." Mm-hmm. So then the question was, "Okay, how do I get back into a place of like not only just health within my own number?" but back into a place where I feel like growth is possible Mm -hmm. and it's not just kind of being in this constant state of chronic stress. I was, and my friend, uh, I have a friend who is also an eight and he's a doc and, uh, and we geek out on like health and wellness and personal development and all the things all the time. And one of the things that he had said to me, which I felt was really interesting and kind of wove this whole thing together for me in relation to like talking about health and wellness in the Enneagram And he said, Cassie, you know, you've had periods like this your whole life. And we've known each other since we were in high school. And he was like, you've just called it different things throughout your life. So at one point it was called adrenal fatigue. And then at another point it was called being a five, like being in your state of stress. And I just thought that was so interesting. And it reminded me that like the, the health tendencies we have are so deeply connected to our emotional health and, you know, where we're at within health and unhealth in the Enneagram, I feel like probably also mirrors our physical health too. And when you look at really self-forgetting types like the eight, the nine and the one, sometimes the two as well. And I'm sure there's, there's more in that spectrum, but we talk about self-forgetting in the sense of the, of the, um, centers of intelligence where like centers of intelligence for eight, nine, one is like gut, right? And so we lose touch with our body sometimes. And for me, it was just like a different explanation for me losing touch with my body and not respecting that I'm not like literally invincible. (laughs) Right. Um, So I just thought that was a really interesting piece of the conversation. And one of the exercises that I did when I did nutrition counseling back in the day, one on one in my clinical practice was having people write out a timeline of their emotional trauma and then their physical symptoms that preceded or, or, you know, came after that. Interesting. And I think that could be a really interesting activity to do kind of in relation to the Enneagram as well. So I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Cause (laughs) that brought up when you said, you know, different places in your life, I was like, Oh, I can really see that for myself. Like, yeah. And, and kind of going, I went after I learned about the Enneagram, I went and looked at my own that I had done. And it was a really interesting timeline where I was like, Oh yeah, I was winging really hard seven at that time in life and in a place of unhealth. And it's, it was a really interesting way to kind of take it back a step and be like, this thing that naturally happens in my being of me having to retreat and protect my energy and really like opportunity cost is extremely high for energy and time is something that's like naturally inside of me. And to me, the core explanation of that is like inherent in who I am within the Enneagram and the health piece of it is an explanation for like, what's the physical symptom makeup look like. And I just thought that was really interesting. So that's fascinating. I go to eights when I'm stressed. 
I go, this is why we can't talk about the Enneagram in a short way. No. <laughs> There's too and much we ain't apologizing. Hashtag Enne a New Year. Hello, people. We are not people. a linear conversation type of podcast. So. Oh. <laughs> I think everybody knows that well at this point. <laughs> Very conversational. So as far as like arrows and lines go, so there's, you talked about the direction of uh, in stress and growth, which are also called integration and disintegration. Is that right? And then talk to us about the triad. This yeah. Really fascinating. So triad, there are, like you kind of alluded, alluded to, three centers of intelligence. So there's the gut, the heart, and the head. And there's three types that are within each of those little center. So we'll start with the gut. Um, eight, nine, and one are in the gut triad. And basically they all kind of work instinctually off of their, their gut. They move through the world in that way. Um, and they also share similar emotional struggles and have a similar desire. And so this is, this is how they're connected. So eight, nines, and ones really struggle with anger. And it's funny because like, most eights will be like, yeah, yeah, I do that. And nines will be like, I don't, I don't, I don't get angry. angry. I'm never angry. That was exactly, (laughs) exactly my husband's response. Yeah. And Ah. ones are like, what? So it's funny because like, I was just reading about this. Eights project their anger out. So they're very, like, you can see it. Nines suppress it. So they're like, stuff it down like it does not exist. And ones repress it so that it seeps out sideways into more of a critical behavior. So they're very critical. They're angry that people are not adhering to the standards that they think other people should do the right way. And so it kind of seeps out that way. But they all really seek and desire justice Mm. in the world. And they just show it in different ways. Um, Interesting. That's super interesting, Harriet, described that way. Because all the eight, nines, and ones I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Josh on. and I before we ever had words for the Enneagram or any thought process around that, he and I both knew that like justice and was extremely important to both of us. Mm-hmm. And we never really knew exactly why. We just both were like, "Oh, this is extremely important." And when he lets his anger out as a nine it's always in a moment where it's deep injustice and it's for someone else mm-hmm. it's not injustice against him it's injustice against the earth a cause another human and he will advocate and he will externalize his anger in those moments but it takes a lot to get him there mm-hmm. but when he does i'm always over here being like yeah like, you did it. <laughs> but it's it's this this justice piece and it's really interesting like i said earlier i've had I have a lot of people in my life who are nines that I'm close with ones also, which is, you can relate. it's not, you can relate on some. Absolutely. Some yep. Um, and so, yeah. And that's funny. Like nines, um, they, they aren't angry until they're angry. And then you're like, Oh shit, where did and that come from? Scared. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's great being a nine. Um, so that's the gut triad. So heart triad are, are twos, threes and fours. And again, they all share this similar emotional struggle. And a lot of times people will hear this and be like, I don't feel that. But like, you just got to kind of, there's nuances to it. So two, threes, and fours, their emotional struggle is shame. And their desire is for significance. And they're going to look for that in different ways. So twos are going to look for significance within. They're going to deal with these shameful feelings of unworthiness by seeking out validation from other people and the relationship they're going to find their significance and importance in the things that they do for other people and the relationships that they have. Threes are going to deal with that different um, by seeking achievements and they're going to feel significant and validated by the things that they do. And then fours, they, I love fours. I don't actually know a ton of fours personally. My mom's a four. My mom's a four too. Really? Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, she's never took the test, but, and you're not supposed to type people, and she does not listen to the podcast, so we're safe. My mom but. is a four, a four, <laughs> a four, a four, a four. Yeah. <laughs> fours are, we'll get into the nitty gritty of fours, but they kind of feel like they are, their shame is that they feel like they're not, they're missing something that everyone else has around them, mm. and they feel they're, they're just born that way. Um, and they're looking for significance by trying to be unique and different and find their place in the world and look for the things that, that they feel like they're missing that everyone else has. So those are our two threes and fours and they're moving through the world using their hearts and their emotions, their feelings. 
Um, and I will say threes will be like, it's, it's kind of, kind of like in that eight, nine, one threes are like denying their feelings. Twos are projecting their feelings out. They're getting it out. Always. And fours are so deep into their own feelings. They're like going inward into their own feelings. Does that make sense? So I'm a a two. My dad's a three. (laughs) And my mom's a four. That's fun. Lots of feelings in your house. Which is kind of hilarious because I feel like sometimes I'm jockeying between my 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 dad three and my mom four because we all live in the same house, right? Yeah. And it's it's so interesting knowing this about them is I've taught so my dad so much about himself because he he was like yeah I'm definitely a three, and I've taught him so much about himself in this because he for instance he's like so achievement oriented but like it's it's very um, like you said validating in that fact and. My mom always laughs because she was like, he was the best boyfriend and fiance ever. And I'm like, that's because that's what he was doing at that time is he was achieving that thing. And my dad was like, he looks off in the distance and he's like, you are so right. I was going to be the best boyfriend and fiance ever. And she's like, and he was the best young young dad ever he was like in each stage in his life he's achieved those things and he's in retirement age and he's really struggling he doesn't want to retire because it's losing some of that achievement status he just needs to go out and be the best retiree that he can be play golf so hard get into the aarp man like just own it now now rest is your is your i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna be mastering rest yeah I think that's, that's where he'll get there eventually. He just, yeah, it's going to take a long time. So it's interesting hearing you talk about the the projection and the, because I've, I've, I've heard the triad stuff and I knew that mm-hmm. stuff, but hearing the way you break it down is super helpful. I'd lo- I'm excited to hear the next one. Okay. And this is our last one. So the head um, is five, sixes, and sevens. So they are moving through the world with their minds, their thinking, their, they're really some more so analyzing, um, you know, they're really, really, really taking in information and using that to like process the world. Um, their emotional struggle is anxiety and their desire is for security. And this can look different. Again, it does look different for all the numbers. So some people will look at a seven and be like, she's not, they're not anxious. They're the life of the party. They're always happy. And when you get to know more about the sevens, you know that a lot of times that um, that eternal optimism and that seeking out new fun experiences is a way to deal with the anxiety that there's not enough, that they're never going to be happy um, and, unless they do more, have more experiences, you know, things mm. of that nature. Um, and they're looking for security in those experiences. Um, and then, like, for example, the fives, they struggle with anxiety. They, they think that they kind of have this, like, nihilistic way of thinking. They fear that they are going to be annihilated. That they're, people are going to need them so much that their energy is going to be completely deleted, like defeated and like done for if they put too much out into the world. So that's a big anxiety. They also struggle. They think that in order to do, they have to know everything before they can do. So their way of dealing with that anxiety and seeking security is gathering information data, data, data. Like, once I know this, like I will be safe, right? Oh my gosh, guys. So, you guys, <laughs> this Enneagram lesson comes with anecdotes. <laughs> My husband, probably about, see, it was about seven years ago, um, he's always been kind of a doomsday type prepper. Like, he loves, like, looking at seeing it, like, scenario situations. Like, Walking Dead was his jam, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, he was just like, I'm going to, like, I see all these scenarios. And, and he is literally the person you want in your corner if something goes sideways like <laughs> like but when he he got really into gardening because I asked for a garden box and um he kind of took over <laughs> in the best way um not only did he take over he built a greenhouse over it and then turned it into <laughs> an aquaponics pond and like I lost my husband for a solid like four months while he was doing that like he he would disappear into that thing and he literally knows everything about fish growing food it is the funniest thing and and now that he's mastered it he's like moved on to other things now he's making knives like it's so funny that's a five and that's Mm -hmm. that's a five you might he might be a five wing six so five wing sixes six wings fives 
are going to be more drawn to like doomsday prepping and conspiracy yeah. theories and be like they're like constantly like what's the worst yeah. case scenario <laughs> well, we have to prepare for, for that and, and, but the thing is we know he's a five in that fact because he's not um it he he has no decision paralysis around it he has no like anxiety it's just information gathering but slightly on the doomsday prepping and so it's just interesting hearing you talking about the how the triad works for them and the anxiety that's um that can be felt that way Mm -hmm. and like thinking about the wings that can be for them that's just super interesting yeah and i would say um like all of the we can all have anxiety i mean i have anxiety and i'm a nine Mm -hmm. um but it's just kind of like more the the more like the major struggle for can tend to be anxiety within these numbers and for like a six they might show the more typical outward anxious like personality and they may display outward behaviors that like i'm anxious about this um type of scenario and then they're trying to again like they go to more like worst case what's the next they can kind of tend to spiral into that anxiety because they're trying to prepare and create security for not just themselves but like they truly care for their loved ones, they want to make sure that we're okay. Like they're very protective, like very loyal, responsible people in that regard. Like you do, you want a six on your doomsday prep team. Like if the world's yeah. gonna end, you're like, there's the nearest six. Like they've got a bomb shelter <laughs> and it's that's where we're gonna live. So those are the triads. Both, both of the sixes I know have resorted to becoming farmers and growing their own food um slash food for a village so i'm like yeah i'm gonna go to their property and this is how we're gonna do life oh my gosh the funnest question that i ever got asked i was on a date with my husband and he likes to ask like thinking questions surprise 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 uh but he asked me his question and i was like oh gosh that's a hard one he goes so in apocalyptic apocalyptic situation where what store would you go to <laughs> and i started to think about it and it led to this conversation and he goes he goes, okay, so what store, who would you bring with you? And I went, oh, that's tough. And it led to me like texting a bunch of my friends that live near me and was just like, hey, do you know what an Enneagram is? And it started this beautiful like conversation with my friends of like, what type are you? And and then we built our like apocalyptic teams <laughs> based on the Enneagram. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I go to six when I'm stressed, so I, I go there. I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I have a doomsday prepper in my house. His name is Josh. (laughs) Oh, man. So when I go to Costco, he goes, will you get an extra bag of rice? (laughs) I'm like, for what? I live in seven. Yeah, a 700 square foot house. I don't need an extra bag of rice. (laughs) um, It's for it's for emergencies. (laughs) You guys, I have eight barrels of potable water. In an, for an apocalyptic okay. type yep. situation. You guys win. Smart. I'm coming to your house. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so triads. <laughs> so much fun information, I tell you. We skipped over levels of health. I'll just, I'm going to touch briefly on that because, like, Great. you can look at an eight, for example, I mean, any of the numbers, and be like, uh, like, you can almost spot it with, like, a 10-foot pole. Like, they don't seem very healthy because every number in their health state is a beautiful thing to watch. They're living in their like their superpower. They're showing up authentically as themselves. They're connecting to people in a way that is like beautiful to watch. Like you can spot it when someone is like it's kind of like a flow state, right? And we've all had moments where we feel like I'm seeing this is who I am. I feel great. It's amazing, uh, and that means more than likely like you're in a really healthy state. So um, you can be healthy, and then you can be in your average to. Like we call it all autopilot. This is the most common levels of health for most people. They haven't yet dove into the Enneagram. They haven't done a lot of self-awareness. They're really living on autopilot. Um, they don't really, they begin to doubt the universe and other people around them. They feel like they only have the answers and they can only rely on themselves. And they're using a lot of their personality defenses to avoid that core fear. Uh, and this is not helpful to them and it's not helpful to other people. So, and there's three, there's kind of like three stages of health within the healthy average and then unhealthy. And then when you're unhealthy, they're really living as if they're by themselves. They're living as if they're alone in this world, even though they may be surrounded by friends and family. Um, They're highly protective of themselves. 
they employ all of these strategies that their number employs to protect themselves, um, but it's actually hurting them more than it's hurting anybody else. Um, and really, when you're in that the level of unhealth, this is not something that you would hire an Enneagram coach to help you with. You would hopefully seek out counseling and therapy because at the very bottom, there are mental disorders that um, can occur more commonly with certain types. And like, that's not, that's not something you're going to get yourself out of. Does that make sense? Mm-mm. Absolutely. I've, I've yes. we've, we've seen that in some, um, some people in my life that it's like, we sent out like, Hey, you should consider taking a look at this. Tell us what type you are. And then we started looking at it and we went, Oh, okay. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I think the Enneagram's been helpful for me to have a little... Um, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person, Enneagram too, um, but it's helped me look at a lot of situations that people, decisions that people have made that I don't understand. It's helped me have a lot more, at least, sympathy and empathy around what they'd been through in their life. If you look at like the full spectrum of their life and um, how to how to conversate with them sometimes, you know, it's like, I think as, as a protective state for me, it's really easy for me to be like, wow, that's like a lot of energy that I don't know how to deal with. And I don't like, you know, it's, it's very, um, almost like scary and unpredictable, but I feel like if I understand, then it's a little easier to interact. So I appreciate seeing the healthy average or what did you call it? It wasn't unhealthy. You called it autopilot. It healthy, av- average. And we kind of, it's synonymous with like autopilot um, okay. and then unhealthy. I love mm-hmm. that autopilot because yeah, I definitely flow in and out of those states. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we all autopilot. Do. Mm-hmm. So basically, this was just a brief introduction to the basics of the Enneagram. So we talked kind of a bird's eye view of all nine types. We talked about the wings. We talked about the triads, which were gut, head, heart. Um, we talked about levels of health and something we. I just want to kind of prep you for as we go into. Um, our next series would be the core fears and the core desires. Those are the really the inner things that drive people to and away from like certain behaviors. And so that's what people, those are when you're having trouble distinguishing who you are, you really want to double down on core fear and desire because that's really the thing that's going to distinguish you from someone else. That's how Um, I figured my type. Right. And Mm -hmm. all this information will help you figure out your type. So if you want to, if you're trying to narrow down between like a nine and a two, for instance, because those commonly mistype, you can go back and look at the triads and be like, okay, do I deal mostly with anger? Do I deal mostly with shame? Am I more drawn to like justice type scenarios or am I more drawn to like significance? Like those are just little nuances that are going to help you figure out where you, where you land. So... Yay, I'm excited to talk about the numbers next. Yay! Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.